You're listening to Fireside Chats Without the Fires podcast, where customer experience enthusiasts are inspired by our weekly CX practitioners and thought leaders who share their insights and knowledge. And now, here are your hosts, Neil Toff and Paul Catherall. And here we go. Fireside Chats Without the Fires. Our spotlight on the business of CX. It is episode five. Welcome, audience. We have a sensational guest today. Uh, For those that have been paying attention and listening to this particular sub-segment of our podcast, we are answering tough, asking and answering some tough questions around how do we connect customer care and customer experience around business objectives. Uh, We've had two great guests thus far. We've had the two gentlemen from Baird and we've had Jess Noble and we are joined, uh, continuing in a rash of success here with an outstanding guest. I want to welcome Amanda Malik, thank you for joining us. We're going to have a great conversation with you. Really happy to have you as part of the program today. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Super. For those that are not yet following Amanda or not yet familiar with her work, do so on LinkedIn. You're going to find her at Amanda Malik, M-A-L-A-C-H. Amanda is the Senior Vice President of Finance and Marketing at Arena CX, and she was the Director of Finance and Marketing at Republic Wireless. Tell us a little bit, Amanda, about both experiences, what Arena CX is, and a little bit about your work at Republic Wireless. It's a great story there. Sure. Arena CX is a marketplace and technology platform that helps businesses find, manage, and then optimize their outsourcing relationships. And we're a relatively new company. We spun out, we're actually a spin out of Republic Wireless. We spun out in September of 2020. So we are a pandemic uh, success story, as we like to say. But yeah, what Arena is today actually had its origination in Republic Wireless. And Republic Wireless, for those that don't know, is a low cost MVNO provider, cell phone provider here in the US. And as a result of being low cost, Republic Wireless had to come up with some really creative ways to run their operations in order to be able to make money and profit. And one of the ways that they did that was really kind of taking a a very new approach to customer service. And don't conflate poor cutting costs in customer service at Republic Wireless with delivering poor customer service because customer centricity was actually a really key component of the brand and something that they're really proud of. And even in 2019, Forbes listed Republic Wireless as one of the 100 most customer-centric brands in the US. And so delivering top-tier customer service is something that, that was really important to the brand. But one of the ways that we cut cost and came up with a different way to source was that we introduced, we went from a 100% internal team to add, we added three BPOs and had them completely overlapping and completely redundant from each other. And we built software that allowed us to triage tickets that were coming in, identify the type of ticket, and then route it to the team. And in this case, it could be internal or one of those three BPOs that historically was the best performing at that type of ticket. And as a result of the that routing, that's all of our KPIs went up. But just the sheer fact that there was a little bit of a competitive dynamic that was introduced by having the BPOs kind of competing to perform better, all of our costs went down too. So we actually dropped, we were already really at the forefront of cost to serve in the telecom space, but we were able to cut it even further. We saved about 33% or 32% a year, which was millions of dollars for the company by implementing this model. And so we're like, okay, we're on to something here. Let's see if other businesses have the same problem. 
we productized it and found that others do. And that software has since become the backbone of Arena CX and our software platform. And since spinning out, we've added, uh, we're now approaching 60 BPOs in our marketplace. And so we really do help brands find the right BPO partner, but then manage and optimize that relationship. That's a great explanation. Thank you. This is a true example of monetizing the contact center or monetizing what's done with a contact center, right? Yes, absolutely. And our support team were truly like, it sounds probably really corny, but when you think of like Egyptian times and putting people on the pedestals and carrying them around Egypt, like that was our support team for the success that they were able to deliver. It was truly fundamentally changing to the business and something that is still touted to this day. That's great. So the reason we're so interested in having you as our guest today I have found, and I would love to hear others' feedback, the finance experts, finance leadership in many of our customer care, customer experience organizations are not necessarily people that come from customer care, come from the contact center, come from BPOs, come from from an organization that understands the essence of what it's like to interact with customers. You clearly do in contrast, and I think that's obviously favorable. I'm so curious to ask you some questions sitting in the seat of the CFO, the senior finance leader, someone who understands both sides of the equation, the finances, but also the importance of customer experience. What is it like? What do CFOs look at when they look at customer experience initiatives? Yeah, I think that CFOs in particular are really focused on a few things. Um, they want revenue to increase. You know, They want costs to go down. And then they want either increase in time to cash or increase in control. And I'll give you some examples of, of some ways that that can come to life from a CX perspective. So if you think about like during the pandemic, I'm a big Target shopper. And I think Target did its digital transformation and made fr- made shopping frictionless by, you know, having order, being able to order to your car and not have to, you know, show on your screen what, excuse me, your code and not have to really talk to someone engaged. And as a result of that, you know that they won and they're seeing an increase in conversions. They're seeing an increase in revenue. They probably saw their average order size increase as a result of that. And so that kind of initiative is really interesting to a CFO because it can be tied back to a top line metric that they care about. When you think about reducing costs, some initiatives might be better utilization of staff. So maybe I need to implement this workforce management tool because I'll be better able to be more strategic with my team, or I'm going to think about stratifying my tickets and treating different tiers differently so that I have tier one handled by cheaper resources than I have my white glove tier three VIP customers handled by my US onshore resources that are trained for that level. And so I think for ultimately, if you're a CX leader, thinking back to how can I convince my CFO that there is a P&L impact here is really, really vital or showing that they can get their cash faster or have more control. Those are things that are really pivotal too. And I was talking to someone recently who's in the digital coupon space and he was just getting my guidance on, and I didn't know much about couponing and what goes into it. But if you if you think about if you're Coca-Cola and you're putting coupons out in the paper and you put them out, you make some assumption about what the redemption rate is on those coupons, but you have no impact or no ability to control it. Once it's out there, it's out there. And that is a unique 
when he was just telling me about his offering, that's a unique value prop that a digital manifestation of a coupon brings is like, let's just imagine, let's see redemptions are lower than what I expected. Well, what, 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 what can I change as a result of that? Or can I put more out there to increase my numbers? So can I get my, can I get more revenue this quarter because I'm going to just issue more coupons and I can have a, I have a lever now that I really didn't have before. It was kind of just a passive lever. So that's something that's really interesting that I don't think people think about how their CFO would interpret an initiative like that. They're primarily thinking about it in terms of the operations and the load on the team, but there's a lot of cost in issuing even paper coupons and the and redemptions. And so I guess I would just say that I think as a CX leader, always taking it back to how can I bring this back to the dollars and bring it, make it resonate in a way where your CFO can really understand what the ROI is. There's a great expression you just used. I'm not sure I had heard of it before. I think it makes sense to me. Time to cash meaning the reduced, hopefully, uh, for the CFO especially, amount of time that we get cash back in some type of program that we introduce. That's a, a basic definition of it. Yeah, yeah. Like an example could be, I was at Best Buy a couple of weeks ago, and I needed a MiFi thing. And they were out of stock for the one that I had. And I had the option to scan a QR code. And the two options that I was prompted to on my phone were, I could order it, and have it shipped to me, and there was a few weeks delay because it was out of stock. Or I could go to a nearby store and pick it up today. And so giving users that option to get it today, I'm you're as a CFO, that sale is coming in today versus a few weeks from now. And so that initiative, while it may have been, okay, this is a better experience for the customer, and here's a way for them to get what they need. For the CFO's perspective, not only is it perhaps going to keep that customer coming back because they know that they are that Best Buy is investing in the technology and being in the forefront of things and the user experience is important. But I'm also getting that sale today, potentially, versus having to wait three weeks for that sale. And so there are things like that, that if they're especially in the world that we're in right now, where with things going out of stock or the uncertainty around when that sale might happen, if you can suggest the next best product or suggest a different way to get it. Those are initiatives that your CFO might be really interested in. Excellent. So we talk about some things that make CFOs happy in terms of activities and events and, and how to get cash uh, in the door quicker. What are some things that make CFOs unhappy about CX initiatives? I would say it's probably when initiatives are half-baked and you gave, you kind of set that stage at the beginning of when someone wants to do initiative because they think that it, maybe everyone in their CX group is talking about it, but they haven't figured out what the business value is that they intend to drive from this. And I think that that is probably the quickest way to piss your CFO off. I'll give it like an example, like perhaps you say, oh, we don't have a chatbot. We need a chatbot. Here's the cost of the chatbot. Here's the cost of the humans. Here's my estimated deflection rate. There's my ROI. Here's my math, the business case I'm going to put together. Here you go. And then in six months time, you come back to your CFO and say, yeah, that 
that chatbot didn't really work because we don't have our knowledge base set up in a way that our chatbot can actually read it. So I need to do this knowledge base project in order to get the chatbot to work like I promised. And by the way, the knowledge base is going to cost us 3x of what the chatbot costs, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's like you you have kind of one, you make that mistake once. And I would say you're probably, your CFO now has it in their mind that like, you're not the type of leader who is thinking through all of these things. And so the more that you come to your CFO and say, I want to do chatbots. Here's the reason why. I also will need to do this other project, this knowledge-based project in order to get the maximum ROI. Here's the full bundled cost of these two initiatives. And here's why in the next three years, I think this will have payback or the payback on this will be six months or whatever it is. Like, If you can show that you've done your due diligence and you've thought through all the reasons why this is the best course of action, that it will make your CFO happy. And, you know, obviously, if you don't do that, that's a quick way to make piss off your CFO. This is great. So now we're getting inside the mind of the CFO here. So is it possible to burn bridges with the CFO? You know, if we come to we, meaning those of us who are not the CFOs, those of us that come to the, to the CFO with a project, you know, we present it, here's the numbers. Do we burn a bridge? Do we lose credibility if we only present half the picture? Or And then my second part of the question is, with all the experience that you have, when you know that someone comes to you with a half-baked project, what do you do? How do you handle it? Do you send them back like a, a child to their bedroom and bring their homework back complete? Or do you just kind of accept it and say, yeah, I'm never going to approve this? Or what happens when, because I think this is a common scenario, right? It is a very common scenario. Yes, you can absolutely burn a bridge. And I don't mean it in terms of like, they won't say hi to you and when you pass by and get coffee in the morning, you know, but in terms of being a respected member of the leadership team, I think you absolutely lose their faith if they feel like you don't understand the bottom line of running your function and what you need and can put together a business case that actually that one is solid but then actually is somewhat true when it comes in when it actually gets implemented. So, I'd say being able to show mastery of your domain but mastery of the numbers is critical, but then also being able if you have to put a forecast together and forecast of the payback forecast of your expected savings you know, I know these are all swaggy things, but you need to not be orders of magnitude off. I think your CFO in general is going to probably take a haircut on any kind of a payback you put together and before they decide if they want to invest in it in general. But if you're constantly, you know, as CFO, we all have those people that are like starry eyed and think that this one solution that they do is going to magically increase revenue three times overnight, or we're going to save. of the customers that churn by doing, adding this button. It's like, if you're that off base, then you basically, I think your, your future, I will make a bold prediction that I think your future growth in that company is plateaued. All right. This is good stuff. We're getting inside the psyche of the CFO. I the really psyche. Like this. Yeah. This, <laughs> I'm sure I'll have lots of CFOs who, who might disagree with me. But in terms of your second part of your question about what you do, I think it probably really depends on what the project is and how much universal, if it's a one-off project, if it's a, if it's a cross-functional project and it's, if it can be ignored if it's a one-off thing of somebody wants something and their numbers don't make sense. It's probably coming up during budgeting and you can easily make the, well, we don't have the funds for that this year against competing priorities. We couldn't, we had to say no to that, that initiative. 
if you have a lot of pressure coming in from lots of stakeholders, that's a little bit tougher. And I think in that situation, the CFO is probably more likely to negotiate with you on maybe maybe you have to break your your initiative into multiple stages and pro- like you know this will be the first part of the project this then the second one will be next year or whatever in order to kind of de-risk it from their perspective and to not show overwhelming favoritism if this budget's limited and this is a big portion of the overall budget is this a an acceptable approach this is i'm going to confess this is my approach with my finance director uh, when i have a project that i want to introduce rather than me trying to put it into like some cookie cutter template of how I would like to present the ROI. I always ask her ahead of time and say, okay, here's the project, here's a basic description. What would you like to see from it? Not meaning the numbers like that. By the way, that is a thing. Like I also ask her, what is the, whether the cost savings, the improvement, the efficiency, the whatever, what would you like to see from it? And how would you like it set up? And I take that and then go build the project. Is that a correct approach to this? I mean, it sounds like that's working for you. I think every CFO is different. And so learning what it takes to get a project to them and get them to react to it, I think is really important. But yeah, I think asking for feedback is never a bad thing. And in fact, if you to just suddenly drop an Excel model on somebody's desk or a PowerPoint presentation and say, like, can you approve my project? That's probably not the best way to do it. I would say it's to... I'd say give the background of framing it up of like, we're seeing this problem, high level, we're experiencing churn at this point in the journey. We feel like we need to plug this gap. CFOs, I guarantee you, probably not aware of that. You are much closer to it. They're not. And if you hit on a thing that they care about, and again, comes back to revenue, comes back to cost, churn obviously affecting revenue, that's how you get their attention. And then you just need to figure out what is the metric that they're going to be honing in on. And so in that case, it, it will be revenue, it will be churn. And then you just need to show how what you're doing, you know, outline the pros of doing it, the cons of not doing it, why it is riskier to not do this project than it is to do it, and what you're going to do to make this project not risky. Because I think that's another thing too, is we haven't really gotten into here is just CFOs are very risk averse. They want to, they want predictability. They're operating on thousands of variables that all have curves that could, and any single item that could dramatically impact the forecast or every single one goes slightly askew. And now overall revenue projections are way off from where we thought. And therefore our cash balances are, are threatened. That's really scary to a CFO. And so I think the more that you can be mindful of them like they are the stewards of cash for the company and they need to feel like they can predictably be able to forecast what cash balances will be for the next six months 12 months and know when they need to raise more money and so if you can show that you're not only you've thought about like the economics of what you're suggesting but you've de-risked it and you're willing to like cfos were willing to pay insurance for that risk, right? To risk offset. And so if you're willing to, if you say we need to have this consultant sitting with us or this implementation company helping us ensure that we're getting the results and we don't want to do this ourselves because there could be risk here. I think that's fine. And that makes you look like a more astute business leader to your CFO. And so I would just say, be very mindful of showing not only the upside, but how you're protecting from the downside too. Excellent. I want to talk about metrics. So many of us like metrics. I think CFOs, of course, like metrics also. 
In CX, depending on who you ask, you're going to get a million different versions of every person you ask, you will get a different version of the CX metrics that they probably look at and, and utilize in their operation. Some like things like, you know, the basics, average handle time, service levels, duration, average speed of answer, percentage of calls answered, percentage of calls abandoned. Those are the basics. Then you've got over here, you get the voice of customer metrics. You've got CSAT, NPS, uh, customer effort score, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do CFOs look at those things or do they have their own set of metrics and ideas of how they should view the business? What are they like? Or I guess a different way to ask is what does a CFO's dashboard look like when they're looking at customer experience? Yeah, I'm trying to think of it. The best way to say this in a way that doesn't sound controversial, but highly like of the dashboard of 100 metrics, your CFO doesn't care about any of them. Maybe that's your headline. I love it. Yeah. They, you, they you don't said care. This, by the way, so respectfully, because I thought there might be an F bomb in there or something like that. No. That would have been perfectly <laughs> fine. So, wait, say it again. The CFO doesn't care about any of them, correct? It does not care. And I think if you, I would actually really encourage you to not talk about any of those metrics when you go talk to your CFO, because it makes you, they're so in the weeds. And the fact that your focus, if you're bringing up that this will increase our handle time, this will increase our, or excuse me, decrease our handle time, or this will increase our CSAT, what that says to me wearing my CFO hat is that you don't understand the bigger picture that those metrics have on the business. Those are all, they're important metrics. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely think CX leaders need to be looking at those metrics. Maybe not all of them, and that's a different conversation, but those metrics are all subordinate metrics that ultimately get to the metrics your CFO cares about, which are churn if you're in a B2C business, uh, you know, average order value. If you're in a B2B business, revenue retention rate. Like they ultimately see that you hope is an early predictor and uh, is correlated with somebody not churning. If someone's happy on that interaction, hopefully they're not going to churn. If they have a high NPS, hopefully they're not going to churn. If they didn't have to wait a long time to talk to us, hopefully they're not going to churn. But ultimately, churn is the number that your CFO cares about, especially if you're in a subscription business. And so I would strongly encourage folks to think about how they can package those metrics in, in a way that they get ladder back to either churn and the customer is going to stay with us longer or I'm reducing our costs. And so I'd say it's those probably two things. And if you can say that handle time getting, getting decreased is decreasing our cost to serve. And for those, just a, a little bit of a finance lesson for those in the audience that aren't overly familiar, cost to serve. And I'm breaking this up by your customer support teams, the line people on the line, that all sits in gross profit. Your CFO will care very much about those what they consider to be variable costs to support your business. So if you can find ways to reduce those costs and you don't need as many customer support agents to handle the same number of customers, that is awesome. That is a win for you and that's a win for them. So I would if you can find a way to reduce that, speak to them in a way that they're expanding their margins. And that is something that they will absolutely care about. And just the finish off the lesson so I don't complete it. When we think about customer success or when you think about your managers and people who are not necessarily frontline, 
that's all in OPEX. And while they do want to reduce those costs because they're going to be impacting cash, those are less important because gross profit is really what your CFO cares about and is going to be showing externally. And so when you think about those, you can't see me because I'm on a podcast, but gross profit is revenue, you know, it's revenue minus your direct costs. And that's where the support agents are. And that's a, that is a metric of how healthy your business is. Everything else, all your rest of your operating expenses sit below gross profit. And the theory is, from a finance perspective, is that you can grow your way out of the drag that OPEX has on you, your customer success team. But if your margins are not great or not as optimal as they could be, then you have a bigger business, a more fundamental business problem. And so just something to be mindful of as you're thinking about initiatives and talking to your CFO and all your tech stack, that's all going in operating costs. And that's all going down below gross profit. But just thinking about how you can improve the efficiencies of your frontline people and reduce their costs, which I know right now in today's labor market is really challenging. It's probably putting a big strain on a lot of businesses in terms of thinking about suddenly margins are, are going to take a hit if you can't hire that same person for $20 that you used to be able to. And so just just some, some tidbits to think about as you approach your CFO with different uh, initiatives that you want to get funded. This is outstanding. I have a question about a metric. I think it's a metric, but it's also, I don't know, it's a concept maybe. I am of the belief that the customer lifetime value, LTV, is a really important metric. I believe that that is a, certainly it's a finance metric. I'm not sure if it's also an operational metric, but I believe it's a, it's a business metric that certainly B2C companies should be looking at, and most do, I believe. And I imagine that there's a version of that for B2B companies as well. What's your thought on that? Absolutely. I'd say that is the number one metric. In terms of your question about what's the dashboard that a CFO is looking at, like lifetime value is absolutely up there. And it definitely is for B2B as well. And yeah, being able to show like gross profit per customer or gross margin per customer AOV, like I want to see my average order values increasing. So knowing that the, and for those in your audience that aren't as familiar with lifetime value, it's basically like monthly gross profit minus the cost that it took you to acquire that customer. And then you run that out however many months you think that customer will be with you. So it's like the inverse of churn. And so if you are having a low cost to acquire a customer, but you're making a lot of money off of excuse me, a high cost to acquire a customer, but you're making a lot of money off of them. There's a balancing act. If they're churning out very quickly, you might be unprofitable on those customers. And so that's something to think about. But yeah, lifetime value is hugely critical to a CFO. Excellent. Final question for you. What is in the crystal ball in CX in your eyes? I actually think that CX leaders are further ahead than finance leaders are in terms of paving the way for the future, which I know sounds, it's probably a weird way to explain it. But I think where CX leaders are going in terms of the level of personalization that's coming in terms of the omni-channel customer experience, all of that, I think, is the future. And right now, I think the biggest probably obstacle is the CFO (laughs) in a lot of companies that isn't those people who are not forward thinking and don't agree that that's the future and are basically shutting down business cases because they're 
it doesn't have the payback in this short time period that maybe their earnings calls dictate. And so I, I really do think that the winning companies in the future will be 100% customer centric and be mindful of the entire history that a customer has had with that company, know what they purchased, speak to them intelligently. Every interaction is mindful of the past interactions that they've had. And I think that we'll see volume shift to the companies that embrace that model. And it will probably be too late for the companies that don't. You heard it here. Amanda, I want to thank you. You've been a wonderful guest. This has been informative. I've learned from you. This I didn't get to just ask the questions. I got to really enjoy the answers because there's some stuff in there that made me think hard. It also made me think about how to interact in a more informed way with my finance team, how to position things in a better light, how to make myself look better and the success of a project, hopefully a little bit more guaranteed and, and positioned better. I, I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for joining us. You have been a wonderful guest. We're going to definitely have to have you back because I think there are a number of things we could continue to explore with you, but we'll save those for, for an additional session. We're going to be cheering you on. Um, for those that are not yet following you, again, I think we, the best way is on LinkedIn. Are you the, the best way to consume your talent and your content? Yep. Follow me on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. I'd love to be back. Good. We enjoyed it. You will definitely be welcome back and you will receive an invite soon. Audience, if you liked what you heard, share that with us. Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you don't like us, that's okay too. You can rate us and review us. That's fine. We want to hear your feedback. If you have questions, if you have ideas for additional guest topics, future episodes, et cetera, we would love to hear from that as well. We thank you for listening to us. We enjoy serving you and offering you good content. Hopefully you enjoyed this. I, I love the session today, by the way. Amanda, sorry, I'm discussion. Uh, this was a great one. We, we, we really had fun. Thank you so much. Audience, be well. Tune in next time. Fireside Chats Without the Fires the spotlight on the business of CX. Thank you so much. The episode is over, but the conversation continues. Please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. Post a comment and subscribe to stay on the leading edge of customer experience. To get in touch or be a guest, follow us on Twitter at ChatsFires or on LinkedIn or in your podcast repository of choice. Thank you.